There we go, a uh, flashback to 1992, Joel tells me, uh, where MJ was a star at the peak of his powers, and they uh, came up with that ad, um, I want to be like Mike. Um, I, like Joel, have uh, just recently watched The Last Dance, a uh, story of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Um, but it was interesting, after I watched um, The Last Dance, I'm not sure that I want to be like Mike. Um, in that uh, documentary, some of his character was brought into question, uh, a sort of a, a win at all costs, um, sort of brought out a bit of a nasty streak in him that we got to see. Uh, he was such a driven person uh, that that often led to arrogance or a breakdown of relationships. He didn't treat his teammates great. Um, it probably isolated him to a certain extent. And uh, having watched that documentary, uh, he didn't shine that bright, I thought. Uh, and some of the shine came off uh, his reputation. And I, I want us to think about that as we engage this morning, about how uh, our attitudes and our actions can actually damage our reputations. But more than that, they can actually damage uh, what we stand for, what we believe, who we believe in. Um, and I want us to, to think about that as we consider this morning um, what we are like. And so I want to ask you that question this morning. Um, who do you want to be like? And so just start to have a bit of a think about that. Who do you want to be like? And the question, the important question behind that is why? Why would you want to be like that? And then another question I just want to park behind that is, would anyone want to be like you? It's a bit probably of a harder question to consider. Um, and then the question behind that is why? Why would you want someone to be like you? When I uh, wrestled with these questions uh, during the week, I, first of all, I sort of went to people like Tim Keller and stuff like that. But then actually I thought about, actually don't go to the whole sort of famous people thing. Uh, go to sort of everyday people. Who are some of the people that um, you go to school with or uh, people that you might work with or live with uh, that, um, that you think they shine a bit or they're a little bit different or you would like to be like them? And maybe focus, um, rather than on skill or ability, maybe just focus on, on character or attitudes. And, and what is it that, about them that changes you or drives you to be like them or to want to be like them? What is it about them that shines maybe a bit brighter uh, than other people? What inspires you? There was uh, a guy called uh, Dean Heine. Uh, he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. He was uh, the pastor in Yalata when we uh, first began some, some work there. And he served in uh, the Yalata Church and Sejuna Church and um, the Kniba Church there as well. And just as I was reflecting on his life, I didn't actually know him that well, but I met him a number of times. But there was something about him that I was reflecting, that just shone. Uh, he was a godly man who loved God 
and loved his neighbour. And in particular, he loved uh, his indigenous neighbours. He sacrificed much of his life uh, to live um, in Yalata, Sejuna and with uh, indigenous communities where he served with passion, the Anangu people. Um, he had a... He, he served in the church until he was into his 80s. He was still active in the church. Um, but the thing that sort of grabbed me, whenever I spoke to him, there was this sense that he was just genuine. Uh, he actually took an, sort of an interest in my life. Um, he was pretty down to earth. Uh, there was some sort of enthusiasm and passion um, amidst what was often a hard work. He was sort of authentic or a real uh, and a sense of sort of humbleness uh, about him that, as I thought, yeah, he, he's someone that I'd like to be like. He shone. There was something different about him. So what about you? Who would you like to be like and why? And what about yourself? Would you, would you be able to say, would you ever imagine someone saying, oh, I want to be like Glenn or I want to be like, and why? And think of that character over skill thing. Or I think, oh yeah, she's really nice or she's different because... And this is an opportunity for us to sort of examine our lives in this. Um, the other thing I want us to do is to ask the question of um, that of our church or your church. Uh, is there a church that you would like to be like? Can you, oh, I want to be like that church. So something, again, don't go to sort of the big, bold, brash sort of... Go to something maybe that you've experienced. Has there been a church experience or um, an example of gospel living that sort of captured you? It might be in the past or it might have been when you visited a church or were part of a different church for a while uh, where you got to experience sort of exceptional Christian community. And the question is, what was it about it that shone? What, what was it in that place that made it stand out? Just have a bit of a think about that. And as I've been thinking about it for our church or your church, what would you like people to say about One Hope or your church? Other churches, oh, we want to be like them because... Have a think about that. So why, why all this? Well, I think as we've been uh, looking at the book of Philippians, and particularly as we look at chapter 2 today, I think a little bit that's, that's what Paul is doing. He sort of whole, almost holds up the Philippian church as a church to be like. Uh, and in this chapter, particularly, he, he actually um, raises a couple of people to be like. And through this, pass, uh, through this book, uh, there are people put out as examples uh, to be like. So uh, as we read our passage this morning, and Carol's going to do that, um, so we're going to read uh, Philippians chapter 2 uh, from verse 1 through to 18. So thanks, Carol. Philippians 2 verse 1 to 18. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him in the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Some big words that come to us uh, as we think about uh, what we want to be like or who we want to be like. Um, and later on, I reflect that I probably should have got Carol to read the whole chapter. So if you've got your Bibles there, um, just have a flick through the last sort of 10 verses there where um, Paul actually then brings up some people to be like and he raises Timothy. And so he's, just have a flick through some of the words that he says about Timothy. In chapter, uh, in verse 20, he says, there is no one else like him. And he's talking to the Philippians and he says, because he takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Um, he says, but everyone else looks to his own interest rather than those of Jesus Christ. And he's actually saying, well, Timothy does. <laughs> Timothy is like Jesus, uh, he's saying to them. And Timothy has proved himself. Uh, he's like... Um, a son to a father, and this is sort of Paul reflecting, like as I've been uh, working for the gospel, Timothy has come like a son to me and worked with me, uh, given his life to this ministry. And he, he talks about uh, Timothy. But also, uh, there's another guy in here he talks about, is uh, Epaphroditus from verse 25 onwards. And he holds him up and he says, look at this guy, he's, he's like a brother to me. He's a, he's a fellow worker and a, a soldier that's on this gospel uh, mission with me. Uh, and he's come and he's, been, he's taken care of my needs. He recognises he's been sent from that church and he's taken care of my needs to the point where uh, towards the end he says, um, uh, welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honour men like this guy. Honour men like him. Why? Because he almost died for Christ. He almost died for me. Uh, he was willing to give his life up to come and serve me. Think about some of these people that Paul is putting before us this morning uh, to be like. 
And he spurs, as he's spurring uh, the Philippian church on to keep living out uh, the gospel, um, he raises or gives us an example um, of how to do that or, or what the Philippian church are doing. And he says that in verse 15 where he says, so that you will continue to shine like stars in, the, in a dark and broken place and that you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of, word of life. He encourages them early on in chapter 1 to conduct yourselves worthy of the gospel, to live lives worthy of the gospel. Uh, as you have always obeyed, he says, to continue to work out your salvation. And it's interesting because I read that in a different light this time as I read it, because normally I sort of think, oh, it's to work out how salvation works and stuff like that. But I think in the context of this passage, he's actually encouraging, when he says to work out, it's to live out, live out your, uh, your salvation. And he spurs them on by saying, make my joy complete by living out this gospel. He highlights in chapter 4 that, uh, that there is almost like no other church like you, the Philippian church, because of your generosity and your support of help to me. He says, keep going with this. And he mentions uh, individuals and the church, and he puts them forward to us as examples to follow. And in uh, 2 verse 5, uh, he puts... Christ up there, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, uh, that your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. That we are to be like Jesus, we are to be like Timothy, we're to be like Epaphroditus, um, and also it will come out sort of a bit broader in the passage that Paul actually says, I want you to be like me. I want you to be like me, and you can think probably back to some of those passages where he says, uh, I want you to be like Christ, or be like me as I am like Christ. And what he's saying, he's saying when we live out the gospel, it's a beautiful thing and it shines and it radiates, in particular in a dark world. And it shines and it radiates um, not just for the people, but as he highlights through this book, it's for the glory of God. That when people live out this gospel, they shine the glory of God to a broken and dark world. God is glorified. Where God's people live out the gospel, it shines and displays him. And he also says after that, that you shine like stars as you hold out the word of life. And it's almost like he's saying that as you live out this gospel, as you show an example of what it is uh, of the transforming work of the gospel, it's like you're preaching. It's actually like you're proclaiming the word of life. Who is Jesus? You're actually living him out and, and showing uh, what it is to live as Jesus. So that's why it's so important and so um, vital that we strive to live out the gospel because it brings glory to God and it proclaims uh, his gospel and extends his kingdom. People notice when we live like this. You'd have that, wouldn't you? That people uh, often inquire of uh, people who are humble and gentle and loving and kind of, you know, why do you live like this? Why do you do that? And they ask questions and it gives us that opportunity 
to be proclaimers of the reason why we have the hope and the joy that we do. So it is good news of great joy when God's people live out the gospel, both uh, as individuals uh, and as the church. And uh, I read this week, oh, and I was on one of the, the clips that I was looking at, John Piper, he sort of raises the point, particularly often we want to sort of pick the difference between when Paul's speaking to individuals or he's speaking to the church, and he raises the point that you can't separate them, <laughs> that when he's speaking to uh, you, plural, the church, he's actually speaking to individuals as well. And you can't, it, we as individuals are the church as we uh, live this out. So that both of them go together. He's saying, as a church, I want you to live this out, but I also, you've got to live this out in your individual lives. And as you do that, uh, the joy of the gospel is proclaimed. And in particular, uh, in these, uh, these verses of chapter 2, there is this uh, theme that sort of runs, runs through that that gospel living is humble living. Uh, he picks up lots of words uh, about what it looks like to live humbly in this world. Uh, he, put, he talks about not doing anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And I did have to think and look up what is vain conceit. Uh, vain conceit is, um, conceit is actually excessive pride. It's um, it's an elevated or even an incorrect uh, sense of self that we actually put ourselves above others. And that's the words he uses in, in this chapter, isn't it? So don't put yourself above others. Uh, in humility, he says, consider others better than yourself. So how do you go with that? Maybe the world would have looked different this week if we'd been able to live that out. Look to the interests of others, not just your own. Uh, as Andrew put it so well last week, I love this, I wrote it down in my phone, um, that as we live as citizens of the kingdom, uh, it battles against the kingdom of me. And again, he's sort of putting that out here. We've got to battle against the kingdom of me and have the kingdom of Christ come, which is a humble um, obedience to serve uh, and sacrifice and live for the good of others. In verses 14 and 16, he goes further, doesn't he? He says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God in this crooked and depraved generation so that, so that you will shine like stars in the universe. And this week, uh, as Joel alluded to earlier, has been a great opportunity for the church for us to shine in a dark place of hate and racism and violence and brokenness. Think how brightly forgiveness shines or the idea of equality or the idea of thinking of other races or people who are different to us as better than us. The opportunity of the love of the gospel to shine. Have you had opportunity this week to engage in conversation about what's going on in the world? 
Have you been able to shine with your view of what's going in the world? To be a, a messenger of hope? And even to glorify God uh, amongst that. I love some of the uh, verses that Joel prayed with us this morning. Holding out the word of life in the midst of this broken world. And in order uh, to live out the gospel, um, sort of as I've already been talking about, uh, we actually have to follow its rules. Um, as uh, Josh pointed out to uh, Cody the science boy last week in uh, the kids' video, um, you just can't do your own thing. If everyone was doing their own thing the way they wanted to, it just leads to chaos. And maybe we've seen some of that this week. But if we can follow the rules of the gospel, uh, it reflects uh, basically our theology. It reflects uh, if we, the way we live, the way we act, what we do and don't do reflects the God who we believe in, the God who made us, the God who made this world. And Paul encourages his people here to be like-minded, to have the, the same love, to be one in spirit. And then he says, and then he gives them a list. He says, don't be selfish, uh, don't look to your own interests, don't argue, don't complain. And like as I've often said, uh, when the gospel or the Bible give rules or commands, they're not just about the don'ts, they're actually um, helping us to see what love looks like. They're actually to drive us to acting out love. That the citizens of the kingdom want to do what the king says because the king knows how to live in the world that he created. As we said, to let go of the kingdom of me and not lie <laughs> means to speak the truth. And honesty and truth and vulnerability express love. They help other people experience love. That's how we have experienced love from God. When God says that everyone's created equal and there's a sense in there that it's don't be racist or don't look down on others, there's a gospel truth in there that we've all been created equal, that we're all broken in some way. I had uh, a conversation this week with someone and it's a bit of a theme that, that I've had in my family is uh, I say to people that um, we're all racist. I'm racist. Everyone's, everyone has a culture or a, a way of seeing the world that thinks that they're a little bit better than everyone else. And you would never really say that, but subconsciously your heart operates at that level. And I think it's our sort of old sinful nature that comes back that when we um, make judgments of other people, or other cultures who are different than us, there is actually a sense that we're trying to elevate ourselves over the others. I, I really wrestle with this because it's really hard to critique things in the world um, without doing that. But I think this is where we need to rely on the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to ask uh, God, particularly in light of all that's going on in the world, to help us to treat those that are different to us with love and humility and respect and honour and better than ourselves. I had it when I was driving here this morning. And uh, 
I pulled up at some lights and there were some people and there were some different nationalities in the cars next to me. And it's interesting in that my, my head straight away went to a negative thought about that race or that, that person's race. And I thought, and I actually said to God, 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 change my heart that when I see people who are different to me or different, help me to see uh, the good things. Help me to see the positive things. Help me to humble myself and say, actually, my culture, my life my, is not together. And I actually need to learn from people who are different to me. Remember Jesus' uh, rules around sort of the Beatitudes or some of his teachings like the Good Samaritan. He knows where our hearts are like and he asks us or he confronts us with that. And he says uh, to us through the gospel uh, that the way that that can change is by through my transforming work. And he says to us and he, he comes to us in our brokenness and our sinfulness and he says, sin no more. And he says, follow my ways, live my ways, live as I have lived. And that, that faithful, humble obedience shines. It shines like stars in the universe. And it's actually joyful. It actually can bring a smile to our faces in the midst of what we live in day by day. And it actually gets noticed and gets rewarded. Uh, for it has been granted, uh, oh, this is the other thing that, particularly through the Philippian church too, is that uh, often living that way hurts. It actually will result in, um, in persecution or suffering or humiliation uh, in the world that we live. And he says, allow uh, the gospel to give you strength to sacrifice and to take on that pain just as Christ did himself. And so as we strive to live uh, under the gospel uh, ways, uh, just recognise again that that is reflecting the God who made us, bringing him glory, and it advances the gospel. And so let's just quickly uh, look at some of the examples that Paul holds up. And uh, the first one there uh, is, he goes big, because the first one he says, I want you to be like, is I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Christ Jesus. And he says, your attitude should be like Christ Jesus. And I think uh, any of us who have read the Bible, been around Jesus, so that there's something about him that was able to live out the gospel life perfectly that um, made him... Um, approachable, uh, appealing. I was thinking about why would I want to be like Jesus? You might not, I don't know, that might be an obvious question to you, but I just thought about it again this week. Um, to think about, he sort of uh, epitomised a humble servant who was still strong and truth, in truth. He was authentic and wise, but he was not intimidated about who he hung out with from the city elite to the city outcasts, he could interact in those places. And he was somehow accepted and seen as a loving and kind man that often spoke hard words. Um, just recently, I've been watching uh, The Chosen. And uh, I could make a whole lot of comment about North American... I don't know, but I won't go there because I'm being racist. No, stop, Glenn. Um, this... 
the chosen. What has made me think has been um, what Jesus was like as a human. And just as I've seen it, it, this portrayal of him interacting with kids or with Nicodemus or uh, with prostitutes or tax collectors, just making me think about what sort of a person he was and why I would want to be like him as I live my life. And as Paul says, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. There was no pride in him. He could have flouted that. Um, I think it's... Um, Alan Hirsch says that uh, for much of Jesus' life, God moves into the neighbourhood and no one knew it. He somehow humbled himself to be able to live uh, in that place without him, other people really knowing it. And it's interesting because Satan knew his equality to God, with God and he played on that, but yet Jesus was humbly obedient to his father. Humbly obedient even to a death on a cross, willing to die for us. And I think to myself, if I'm going to be like Jesus, and I ask you, if you're going to be like Jesus, are you willing to die to yourself? Die to yourself in that argument with your spouse, or with your kids, or with your friends or work colleague, willing to give up winning the argument for the sake of being loving and humble. Not backing away from the truth, but often argument can be driven by pride and vain conceit more than the truth. Jesus was willing to be a humble servant, to sacrifice himself. So ask yourself, who do you need to serve? Who do you need to sacrifice for this week? Ask the Holy Spirit in this place, help me to be like Jesus. Think of the people that you need to be like Jesus for. And it's interesting at the end of that little spiel about Jesus that Paul has there, he says, therefore God exalted him. And it's interesting. It's not only people that notice gospel living, it's God that notice gospel living. And that faithful, humble obedience gets noticed and rewarded by God. It's, you just be clear, it's not what saves you. It's the gospel what saves you. But God himself notices humble, faithful obedience to the gospel. So as we do it, we don't only just do it for the people, but we do it for God, our saviour. The second example uh, is just Paul's example. Like I said, it wasn't explicit in this passage, but in the broader book, uh, in 3.17, he says to them, uh, join with others in following my example. Take note of those who lived according to the pattern that we gave you. Uh, and he says, whatever you have learned, received, heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. In 1 Corinthians 11, that's that, follow me as I follow Christ. In other letters, it's like, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Like Paul... Could you say that? Could you say that to someone? Follow my example because I'm following Christ. Be like me because I'm like Jesus. Whew. It's a bit hard to say, but it's, it's good for us to think. The wrestle would, we might not ever say that, but we want to act our gospel lives out that reflects it. 
think about Paul and his life and what is it about Paul's life that maybe inspires you? What is it about his character and example of uh, living out the gospel that you want to be like? Because I, th I thought to myself that Paul and Jesus were quite different in personalities. I get the sense. Paul, it doesn't mean that we all have to go and be apostolic missionaries. And Paul at times was, I think he just used strong words. He was a bit blunt. He was a bit sort of in your face. But yet it comes out in this letter and many others that he had a love and a genuine concern and a warmness and a heart to see people live in the gospel and a heart to confront uh, injustice and, and wrongdoing. So again, I ask you, as you think about following Jesus or following Paul, what might people say about following you? And maybe just ask God, God, help me to be more like this so that people can see you and experience you. Timothy is the next example. I alluded to some of the things that Paul said there about him. A true son in the faith. There's no one else like him. He has a genuine interest. Timothy's proved himself. He's like a, a son working with me, his father. He continues, and if you read through the letters to Timothy and see what Paul says to him, timid Timothy, and how uh, Paul encourages him to work out his calling, to be bold in the gospel, not in his personality, but in the gospel and the, and the power of the spirit. And again, I just have this idea that sort of different personalities might look different, but underneath there is this character of the gospel of willing to humbly serve and to humbly uh, love and to consider other people's needs over and above our own. Epaphroditus is the uh, fourth one. Sometimes he gets mentioned in other books as Epaphras. Um, and just again, just how Paul talks about him, my fellow worker, a soldier, he almost died for me, almost died for the gospel. He's risking his life and honour people like this. Maybe we've got to ask ourselves the question of who do I need to honour? Who in my life has shown me this that, that I can honour this week? In Colossians, he says about Epaphras, he was my fellow servant. He was a faithful minister. In Colossians, he says about him, he was a servant of Christ always wrestling in prayer for you. So, um, and then in Philemon as well, he says, he was my fellow prisoner, probably talking about this. He was in prison with me. And so I thought to myself, what would people write about me? What would people write about you? Would your life shine? <laughs> and again, who would we need to, to, to honour maybe this week? I got a, a text message it was a couple of weeks ago, just a random text message from someone that just um, recognised some things that I'd done in their life. And it just, it just welled up a sense of joy and a sense of, not, not, not pride, it was just a sense of joy of being used by God in that person's life. Um, something about seeing them flourish uh, that spurred me on in the joy of the gospel. The final example that's sort of through here is the church, is the Philippian church. 
uh, as we said, it's sort of the church and individuals, you can't separate them out. Those are living out the gospel, but living out the gospel in humble obedience together. I think we've sort of talked lots about individuals, but living that out together, um, particularly with, as I engaged in missional community stuff, some of the language that we used uh, there and we use there is that we invite people in to experience gospel living. And that's what we do into the church. We, we invite people to experience the gospel lived out amongst uh, believers. That, we, that they got to experience and they get to experience humble service. That they see what uh, selflessness looks like. That they see repentance and forgiveness. And in the church they see um, all nations gathered, people of different uh, races, different walks of life, different uh, educational levels, and together operating in love, that they would get to experience what repentance looks like and what forgiveness looks like, what reconciliation looks like uh, in the church with us, that they wouldn't be complaining or arguing in the church. Debate is good, but I think uh, uh, the difference is that when pride gets in there and it's more about winning the fight than... It's not to say that we can't debate, but watch for selfishness and for pride. And that as humble servants, we would be willing to consider others before ourselves. That we would be willing to lower ourselves to serve and sacrifice in the church and those that God's bringing into it. As I thought about One Hope this week, and you might think about your own church, I've seen examples of that this week. It's been a joy to see people from this church living out the gospel and seeing the impact that it has on my life and on the life, lives of people in this community. And so as we wrap up, maybe we need to ask this question, is how do we be like Jesus? Well, I think what Paul's been saying right through the Philippians and right through this chapter is that we've got to remember the gospel. We've got to proclaim it to ourselves, to the world. We've got to defend it and we've got to live it. Sometimes, uh, often I find, I can find a sermon like this demoralising because I, I just compare myself to everyone and think I'm not that good and I can't do that and I've never done that and oh, I've got no one following me or whatever. Um, but the gospel reminds us that Jesus chooses the weak and the broken to display his power. We remember that Jesus came to us why we were sinners, why we were racists, why we had hate and judgment on others. He comes to us. He says, you're the sorts of people that I want to use to proclaim my message of good news. I want you to live it out and show what it is to be the people of God. He would say, repent, believe, have faith. And you can remember many of the examples. That, and then Jesus would say, leave your life of sin. Sin no more. Now follow the gospel rules. Live by the gospel. Live in humble service to each other. And remember what Jesus did. This is part of the gospel, part of the good news, is he breathes on his disciples and he gives them the Holy Spirit. And he says, here is my spirit, and this spirit is going to make you like me. <laughs> the role of the spirit is to make us like Christ. And as I preach pretty well every time I get up here, uh, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, self-control and the rest. Um, 
those things we need to ask the Spirit to make us like Christ and see that fruit born in our lives. We ask for the Spirit to come upon us and to give us gifts so we can serve sacrificially, so we can use the power of the Spirit to shine like stars as we live like Christ in a world that is broken and dark and needs us to shine with hope, but needs us to shine with authentic humility self-serving love, willing to consider others better than ourselves, willing to die to ourselves for the sake of others, to consider others better than ourselves. So this week, as you go out, may you be empowered by the good news of the gospel that through Jesus' life, death, resurrection and ascension, that you have been empowered by his spirit to be able to live out the gospel this week so that you will shine like stars. And so this morning, as I um, finish this sermon, um, uh, we're going to head into a song. And uh, Shane and the boys, um, they're going to play a song and sing a song for us, which is called Your Will Be Done. And it's a gospel song because it sings about the gospel. And it's like Jesus did when in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but yours. And that's what sort of living out the gospel in some ways is served out. There's a line in the song um, that says, my heart is drawn to self-exalting. <laughs> and so isn't that true of us? Isn't that, that we're drawn to put ourselves up even before God, uh, even before others, that in this song, that um, as this song plays, uh, that you would use it as a, a reflection time and a time of prayer, a time of prayer to ask God to speak to you, uh, to speak to uh, maybe encouragement or challenge. Maybe you need to ask uh, who you want to be like and uh, what you want to be like and ask for the power of his spirit to work in you during this time to empower you this week to live humbly as you live out the gospel. Ask him, maybe there's someone that he wants you to serve this week. Maybe it's someone that you need to go back and reconcile with and seek forgiveness, that this would be a time of prayer and asking uh, God's will to be done in your life. And it's a gospel song because it talks about how Jesus has empowered us to do that. So as we go into this song, remember... Uh, these words that Paul used in Ephesians, but he says this, put off the old self and put on the new self. He says, be imitators of God, just as Christ gave himself up for you. And he, he reminds us with these words. He says, once you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. So now live as children of the light. For light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Amen.